Now we're rolling, Damage Plan MMA podcast. I am Jason with the new co, the new host, Blake O'Rulian of the Damage Plan MMA podcast. Blake, how you doing, man? Jason, I appreciate it, man. It's, uh, I miss having you here. I miss having you here like all the time. And so before we turned on the cameras, I was like, you got to do the intro. You got to do that legendary <laughs> intro. Um, you put me on the spot, man. A, a couple, a couple weeks ago, I think it was right before the Challenger Series card. It was kind of funny. You were like, you were like, can you just find a way to get it back in there? Find a way to put it in there. So I typically do it uh, in the show open voiceover, but I'm so glad that we get the authentic, actual, now we're rolling. How did that all come to be? I know the story, but I know a lot of people don't know why you started every podcast with Now We're Rolling. So I had this teacher in Michigan before I moved out here to, to Salt Lake City. I had this teacher in ninth grade. He was my math teacher. And every time you'd get like three answers in a row, four answers in a row, he'd tell the whole class, now we're rolling, now we're rolling. And it just stuck with me all these years. And I'd say, I'd say it on occasion. And then when we started the podcast, I thought, man, this is like the perfect time to say that. So stuck with me. Don't ask me the teacher's name because I don't remember, but I'm glad it, I'm glad it stuck and we're using it for a good cause. Dude, I, I love it. I absolutely love it. And I love hearing all about kind of the the podcast and how it came to be. I've been on the record to say that I think that what you and Zach did is one of the most legendary things in the history of Utah MMA. I mean, I for me personally, you, your names are up in the rafters. Your jerseys are retired forever when it comes to what impact you had. Uh, and, and I truly believe that that the Utah MMA fandom is, is large in part because of you and Zach. So I kind of wanted to know, starting this up, I don't really know, like how did it at all come to be how did you meet zach how did it all happen so we take it back gosh i think i've known zach and we did the podcast for two and a half years probably four or five years now i think i've known zach um we actually met at steel fist fights i had a booth there he had his insurance booth there so we just naturally you know we're both we're both talkative guys so we just start talking sports and we're talking mma and fighting and basketball and football and he's like man i want to do a podcast one day i'm like hey, you know what that'd be pretty cool you know and dude we talked about it for almost a year and funny thing is is we could never nail down like when we wanted to do it how we're gonna do it i started talking to some guys at the gym a guy that gym that that had a podcast and he kind of got the ball rolling i got a set up at the community college in sandy well zach lives in kaysville so it's kind of hard to commute and I actually interviewed two people by myself, um, more for my nutrition stuff. And Zach called me and he's like, Hey man, I think we should just keep it MMA. And I'm like, dude, I'm, I just wanted to get, I just wanted to get the podcast rolling. I'm, I would love to just do it, but get your butt down here. So he started coming, man. And the ball started rolling and we, uh, you know, we started it with, with the idea of, you know, fighters first, we, we just want to give fighters the opportunity to give them the, the platform to, <clears throat> sell their fights, sell their sponsors, talk about themselves. It didn't matter if you were oh no debuter or, you know, fighting in the UFC. We got we had UFC fighters on there. Um, we've had judges on there. We've had referees on there. Um, we've had just a little bit of everybody on the podcast and it just it just grew organically. We weren't trying to do anything crazy. We just get on there twice a week and just record. So at in the early days, because I was kind of I kind of jumped in when it was you two in separate places and then a fighter joining in, you know, I, yeah. I forget the name of the, it was like bird eye or something like that. There was some sort of name for it. The live streaming that 
stream Streamyard. Yes, yes. Streamyard. Yeah. So once COVID started, so we were recording at Salt Lake Community College, and we were we were bringing guests there. They have a room set up you can use for free. It was awesome. There's a guy there that helped uh, helped us out with the audio. It was amazing, and it was nice to have that in person, you know, connection there. And once COVID started, we were like, man, we're we're just gonna have to do it over Zoom now because COVID's hit. And we didn't know what else to do, and then that kind of picked up. It allowed us to bring in people from out of state, um, people that couldn't make the drive down to Sandy. So it just opened up the door for for more things. Yeah. So when did it start? You said two and a half years, but you and and Zach have kind of been removed from it for a minute. When yeah. when did what was like the first episode of Damage Plan? The first one. Oh man, I don't even remember where the first, I don't even remember who the first guest was. <laughs> I don't even remember. It was probably. I know we had. Uh, yeah, we had Thomas Harper on really early. We had um, Arlo was on uh gagas i can't remember it's arlo i apologize i can't remember uh, remember how to pronounce your last name but arlo was amazing strength and conditioning coach jiu-jitsu guy um he does those truck pulls out at the salt flat so super interesting podcast um those were kind of some of the first days where we're just interacting with the fighters and then we're both gambling degenerates so we start talking about ufc fights and breaking down ufc fights and doing our picks and then it just it just evolved from there man it's incredible. And it, it, it truly brought together so many people. And I believe that kind of gave you like a pathway to calling the fights for fierce. Is that correct? Yeah. So that, you know, we had, a, we had an opportunity. We did a couple, um, we did a couple steel fist cards when they were, they had some needed some fill in. So we replaced there. Um, Cody had us do one down in price, which we did with, we did one with Chris Curtis. We did one with, um, Jordan, uh, Levitt, right? Jordan Levitt, uh, Zach and Jordan Levitt did that one. I wasn't a part of that one, <clears throat> but I was there. Um, and then after that, uh, Cody uh, had approached Zach and I hope I'm not uh, speaking out of turn and said, Hey, um, I want you to run the show. And what nobody knew and I don't even think Zach talked about it on his podcast was uh, Zach Sajan, who doesn't get enough credit. Shout out to Sajan, who is kind of the man behind the scenes. If, if you know, first fighting championship, go introduce yourself to Sajan. He is a freaking stud. Um, the three of us had been planning on starting our own fight promotion. We, we had a little war room, you know, Zach with all of his fighters and, you know, his connections. And you know, I was looking into stuff with uh, getting a loan through the VA and, you know, we were, we were talking to potential donors and sponsors to help us get the money generated. Like we were, we were like, Hey, we're going to do this. Um, and then Cody approached, approached Zach and said, Hey, I, I, I don't really want to do this anymore. Like I'm, I'm getting tapped out. I think you're the guy for it, you know? And Zach's like, I, I mean, I'd love to do it, but I got to bring my guys on. And Cody's like, I don't care who you bring on. So he, you know, the, he brings us on Zach's running it. And it just, it just kind of steamrolled, man. We just, it, it was a great opportunity like Zach said, he, he pretty much gave him the keys. It was his dream job. Um, it, it was a it was a huge opportunity for us, and we just kind of took the ball and ran. And I think after about the first show, Cody started seeing the excitement. He's like, "Ah, well, I, I think I still want to be involved a little bit." So it's it's been it's been an amazing ride, man. It really has. So that's really interesting. So you and Zach obviously were kind of a team. 
But then yep. Zach was really, really focused on kind of taking over the show and Sajun was kind of behind the marketing. Where did that leave you? Were you just like podcast manager, get content out kind of a situation or what was that like? So initially I, I was going to help with um, some of the matchmaking. I was going to help with Zach a little bit on the amateur side because we had, I, I'd gotten to know a lot of the fighters with, with interviewing them. So I knew the guys, especially all the local guys. Um, I was going to help with like the sponsors. I had some good relationships with some, some sponsors. Um, so we were all just kind of had our, our little kind of our role, say staging with the marketing. I had, I obviously have the apparel stuff. So we kind of combined the uh, apparel stuff. Um, we were going to incorporate, you know, we, we have our website still up damage plan MMA podcast is still up where you can go there and get insurance, my nutrition stuff, which I'm not doing any longer. We can get into kind of why I had to take a step back here in a little bit, but yeah, man, the three of us were, we were, we were ready to go, man. Yeah. And I mean, you guys really turned it into something special and I kind of know, you know, you stepped, you stepped away and, and all of that, but I do kind of have to ask you, I mean, you are removed from the podcast. You don't host it every single week. Uh, those, those days are kind of, are kind of gone. How much do you miss it? A lot, man. I, I, every time I think about it, it was like, it was fun, man. It was just something that we could look forward to every day. Uh, my grandma lives in Michigan. She listens to the podcast every week and she loved it. She loves you too, by the way, Blake, she's going to see this and she's going <laughs> to, she's going to love it. But you know, she had her, she had a little notepad and it was just something that I could talk to her every Sunday about. And she'd have her favorite fighters listed on there. And um, it was, man, I, I, I hated taking a step back, but um, it was something, it was a call that I, I had to make and, and, it sucks, but hey, we're, we're it's still going. I'm glad you've taken over. You're you're the man. So, well, I I do want to say this really quickly. I want to meet your grandma, and I would love to even interview your grandma one of these days. I know you. I don't know. If she, I don't know. If she'd go to interview, but yeah, that'd be awesome, dude. <laughs> she she seems like such a sweet lady from all the conversations that you tell me about, and I think that's that's really something special. I I do kind of want to just dive into that really quickly. I mean, yeah. I've talked to your wife. You're just completely open. I mean, your wife trains at the same gym that I was training at before we moved down south. Um, yep. You obviously train at Sierra as well. Um, so we talked. Sheree and I have talked about you and your relationship with your grandma. What makes you two so close? Um, I was the first grandchild. Um, so I think that, you know, um, that kind of hit it off. Uh, once I moved out here to, so I moved out from Michigan out here to Utah to live with my dad in high school, about my sophomore year in high school. And, you know, it was hard, you know, growing up around and my family was really close. It was just my dad here. Didn't have aunts or uncles or grandma and grandpa's here. It was just my dad. Um, probably the best thing was the best thing for me. Not probably was the best thing for me. Um, but I, my uncle passed away when I was in the Marine Corps and I got into the habit of calling her every Sunday just to check in. And it got to where her and my grandfather were, if I didn't call, it was a problem. So it turned into every Sunday, call grandma, tell her what's going on. You know, my grandpa, he, he had some throat problems and couldn't talk, but he would, he would listen on the speakerphone and it's been rolling for almost 25 years now, every Sunday. And I, can count on one hand how many times I've missed on a Sunday. It's incredible. less than less than one hand of how many times I've forgotten on a Sunday to call my grandma. So, yep. I love I love that story so much. It, it always it just on a personal note, man. It just warms my heart. I think that's one of the coolest. I appreciate things. it. Um, let's let's kind of jump back into the MMA side of things. <laughs> I-, I do want to ask you on the podcast side, 
what over the two and a half years that you did it, 200 plus episodes that you did, what is the most memorable interview from the podcast? Oh, that's easy. Uh, Will Dunkel and Steve Sharp. If you have not watched that podcast, we need to put it in the notes and find that um, parental guidance, a little advisory there on that. There's it's, it's for 18 plus for sure. But that podcast, I think that podcast, honestly, just set us off. I mean, everybody knows that people are still talking about that podcast with those two. Um, if you know how the fight ended there, I, I just wish those two would run it back. Cause that was, that was amazing, man. Out of all the podcasts we've done, um, the ones that Zach and I have done together when we would break down fights and then we would bet against each other. Those were always a lot of fun too, because we're both stubborn, you know, and he picks his guy, I pick my guy. And I had a little thing where I'd wear different hats you know, if I beat him, I had a genie hat that I would wear if I'd get it right. So I had my little genie hat that I'd wear and he'd hate it. So, oh, I love it. And I I, I love and I kind of miss seeing you and Zach kind of interact in that sort of way. It's so funny to to watch how you two are with each other, but specifically during the podcast times. So we transition from, you know, meeting Zach, you start the podcast up, you start calling fights. What was that transition like going from from doing a podcast that's a little bit more it's a little bit more of a safe environment i mean when you're calling fights you're live you don't want to say anything incorrect you don't want to say anything that can get you in too much trouble what was that transition like for you transitioning from podcasting to calling fights super hard um really hard podcasting i mean zach zach's a natural with with the podcasting and and honestly with calling fights with him being a fighter i i wasn't training at the time um so I leaned on him a lot. I leaned on his knowledge a lot. He he obviously spoke a lot. Um, as we started warming, as we started going and, and we get a year, year and a half in, I started feeling a little more comfortable. Once we started calling fights, the first couple, once again, super hard because I, I, had, I, I hadn't been in the cage. I don't, I'm not a fighter. Um, so it was hard for me to, to speak on things I didn't really know about. Um, it wasn't until I got in with, we got in with Fierce that I said, I need to start training. You know, I, I want to know what it feels like to have somebody on top of me, have somebody on my back choking me, have somebody punching me in the face, sparring. And, you know, obviously I'm not in a real fight, but at least I got an idea of, Hey, if somebody's got, got me mounted and I can't get up, I can, I can sit there and see that guy in the cage and like, okay, this is what he needs to do. You know, he needs to get his frames and get his hands on his hips, you know, shrimp out things like that, that, that it, it's just, it's been a, it's been a learning process. Um, Obviously, working with you and seeing how how passionate you are and how passionate Jordan is with with doing this um, made me study a lot more. Made me pay attention to what I said a lot more in the beginning. It was just, hey, I'm just going on here. I'm just having fun. It, it, it's a local show. I didn't it didn't really think it was that big of a deal, but it really is. If you if you want a professional um, promotion and you want a professional broadcast team you need to have guys like, like you and Jordan doing this. And I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. I, I think I tell you after every show, I learn something every show. I I'll catch myself saying stuff every show where I'm like, okay, just be quiet. Let, let Blake talk. <laughs> well, I, I, first of all, I do want to say, I think you bring a sense yeah. of clarity and you also bring, you, you make the broadcast a lot more fun. 
I mean, no, you're not, you know, a clear cut broadcaster who's, you know, from point A to point B is a complete broadcaster, but you bring such a reality to it and you bring such a, a sense of community. I don't know what it is about you, man. I think people just love you, but you bring something that, that I can't replicate. Joel can't replicate anyone that we bring onto the show. We can't replicate what you give. And that's why you are so indispensable to our show. I do want to, I think the funniest thing is that you did not want me to to call fights when, when that first happened. I think that is the funniest story, dude. You, you just got to tell it really quick. I think it's so funny because of, because of how close we are now and how, like, I literally yeah. text you every day. Yeah, oh, yeah. We talk all the time. I love it. And then us training together and, you know, me choking you out all the time. And I, it's, it's totally a joke. Jake, no, no, no. Like, always choking you. But, um, me a couple no, times. so uh, Zach had built up such a camaraderie with this podcast and we had already called a couple fights together people knew her who we were um and we're and he's like hey i want to bring in this blade guy and i'm like who's this blade guy like i I don't know who this guy is and even sajan was like zach you don't know what you're doing like this is stupid everybody knows you and jason and we just Sajan and i were just like this is like the worst thing ever well Fast forward to the that night, and I can't remember which fight card it was, but we were at Agima, and I met Challenger you for the first Series time. Two. Here's Challenger Series Two, and I met you at the Agima Gym in the Provo Mall, and I'm like, I really like this kid, man. Like, I I just, I, you know, yeah, obviously I was a little little biased because I felt like we we had something rolling, and but once I met you, I saw how passionate you were about it. I saw how passionate you were about the fighters, and it was it was just. And from there, it was just, the ball just kept rolling, man. It was great. So, yeah, I, I originally did not want you on the, on the broadcast. <laughs> I think that's, like, the funniest thing. <laughs> Truly just because of how close we are now. Like, like how much, like, I'm like, yeah. like, I, like, I've told Jordan before. And, like, I've, and just in, in conversation, not in any sort of, like, you know, important way. But I've just been like, if I don't have Jason, I, I can't do it like right now. Like, like, like I can't do it without him. Like, I, I truly believe that. And Jordan and I, the, the director of the Fierce Broadcasts, we we talk and he's like, man, Jason has just skyrocketed into someone who is not just good at his job, but but truly great and so aware of what it's supposed to be like. When do you feel like you kind of started to evolve and change because we've seen a growth in you and and I don't know how easy it is for you, but when do you think broadcasting started to get a little bit easier or that you kind of did start getting the ball rolling? I think it was, honestly, it was pretty quick. I want to say it was towards the end of last year, the beginning of this year. Um, I would, I would watch the fights back, listen to myself and I would catch myself saying things and, and I would listen to you. I would listen to the UFC and, once again, I circle back to, I see how much work that, that you and, and Jordan put into this. And I, I felt like I needed to step it up a little bit. So I was doing my homework. I, I just, I wanted to make sure that I was, I was doing my, my part. You know what I mean? I, I didn't want to just come in there and just like, Hey, that just wing it. I didn't want to just wing it anymore. I wanted to make sure I was doing it right. And, and you can attest to this. I usually would call you, Hey man, if I'm doing something wrong, please tell me because this is your guys' world. You're you're not going to offend me if you're like, hey, Jason, shut up. Don't say this at this time. I don't, I just don't know. It's it's not my world. And like I said, when I first started, it was it was just a, hey, man, I just like to talk. I want to have fun. I want to joke around. But there's a time and a place for it. And we want we want to be the number one promotion in the West. And 
we're not going to do that unless we have a, a professional broadcast team. And I, I think we have that. I know we have it. Not think. I know we have it. What would you say is the hardest part for you about calling fights? I think just for me, not being a fighter and not being in the cage, um, you know, you listen to the UFC and obviously those guys can speak on things and I'm very careful on what I say and how I say it and, and how I'm um, critiquing a fighter because I've never been in there. So I, I don't really, I don't really know that feeling. I've never made that walk into the cage. Um, that's probably the hardest part. And, and I know there's other promotions out there that have guys that haven't fought before. And, and that's why I take my training so serious and seriously and um, learning when I'm at the gym and paying attention to what Pedro's saying, listening to Joel about the striking. Um, but yeah, just, just, just taking it, take, taking the job seriously. So I want to go from the hardest thing to your favorite thing. First, I'll ask you your favorite thing about calling fights. And then I've got another favorite thing to ask you about. Can, can I circle back on the hardest thing? Of course, of course. Calling Joel's fights. It's easily the hardest thing I've ever done. And you know it because you called some of your fights for some guys that you've trained with. And training with a guy, I, I'll never forget his first fight that I called was with um, Starwall. Was it Kesley I or Starwall? I don't know if I called the Kesley fight or not. I can't remember. I think I did. And I was nervous, man. The Kesley fight, I was nervous because I knew Joel was good, right? But I never, I had never seen him. No, I didn't call that fight because I watched it. I remember watching him walk down the ramp, and and I and I knew he was good. Um, and I'd been training with him at the Phoenix PI with Hector and Lauren. Shout out to Hector at the Phoenix PI. I had been doing those eight week fight camps with him, so I knew how his conditioning was. I mean, I was there every day with the lifting and the sprinting and all the conditioning work. I, I was there with him every, five days a week. Um. And I, I'm pretty sure it was the Starwall fight. Anyways, so I see him make that walk down the, you know, down the ramp, and you see his face. He's such a nice guy. He's always smiling, and to see his face and to see him switch modes, he turns it on. Special man, the kid is something special. But yeah, calling his fights, man, oh, man, he just, yeah, man, it's just like, hey, man, that's my boy. You know, that's that's my that's my little brother out there, and and uh, you know, you don't, I, I, you never. You know, you don't want to see him, you don't want to see him lose, but then again, it's like, Hey, that's part of the game, you know? And I know he knows that and we know that, but it's, it's hard, man. But yeah, that's, that's definitely one of the hardest. And, and that can be so hard on top of that because you know, them beyond fighting and, uh, and, and, and even bigger picture, everyone listening. I mean, some yeah. of them might know that, you know, them or that you're friends, but other people might not know. And so you have to find a way to be straight down the middle yep. when it's like, to be completely honest, I mean, I care so much more about this other fighter, you know, in one specific corner than the other, but you can't make it sound that way. And it can be really tough. He, well, I remember the Warren fight for the, for the title when he fought Warren. You and I didn't think he looked very good in that first round. And Eric Iman was the only one that said, Hey, like he's doing really good. He's countering off the cage. He's moving. Well, I didn't see it until I rewatched the fight because I was so focused on don't give like try to put all the all the positives onto Warren. So I'm not trying to sound biased. And I was too biased towards Warren and I wasn't giving giving Joel enough credit in that first, first round. And it wasn't until he walked back to the corner where and I saw uh Warren was bleeding from the nose. I was like, oh Joel was catching him in that in that round. So yeah, it's yeah. Can I also just say that September card one was so good, but two, having <sighs> Eric Iman was so awesome. He was great, man. He's, he was so good. He's such a stud, man. 
He's such a stud. We have to get him back. I loved having him on. Um, okay, so now I do want to jump over from the hardest part, the hardest things about calling fights. What is your favorite fight you've ever called? Oh, the Joel fight with Styrewall when he dropped him with the body shot. I think you just posted it last night. He dropped him with the body shot. And obviously I trained with Joel and I know he was working on that body shot. And 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 for him to deliver it, it was like, oh, that was just it was just nice, man. It was it was cool to see. It was cool to watch. It was cool to watch the training all come together. And it was just, you know, I felt like a proud uncle or something. You know what I mean? It's like, that's my boy in there. I, I do kind of want to jump back over to you starting to train. Um, yeah. That was a big thing. And and you've now been at it for oh, well over a year now, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, about a year, about a year and a half now. I, I don't get in there. I try to get in there at least once, sometimes twice a week. Um, and for those people that know me, look, it took me about a year just to get comfortable with going in there. First six months, I hated it. I did not want to go in there. I would sit out in my car, my stomach's turning. I'm like, I, I'm not that aggressive person. I'm not, that's not me. I did. I was a bodybuilder. I got on stage in my shorts and pranced around and um, it, it, it was hard, man. It was a hard adjustment. But the one thing that I can say about training is I loved being in there. I love being in there with the guys. I love that camaraderie, camaraderie that everybody has in there. Um, there's something about, you know, sweating and bleeding with somebody and, and going through hard times with some people, you know, man, female, it just, it does something to you, man. It make it gives you an appreciation. I will say this too. Jason is very humble. He's really good. Like, like, <laughs> I'm want- not just saying that, like the guy is good. Like, you know, it's, I- you're trying to embarrass me on the podcast, but no, that's I'm all right. not, I'm not, I mean it. I think like, I remember the first time I rolled with you, I went, Oh my gosh, this guy's really good. And then we rolled again and again. And I was like, he's getting even better, like at a rapid pace. And, and, and like, it was, it was seriously, like, it was really, really impressive. And and truly like, you're one of my favorite people I've ever rolled with just because it's so fun. I mean, we're buddies. So like, it's not that big of yeah. a deal, but on top of that, like you improved so quickly and your wife is in the same boat. I mean, she's gotten she's, so good. She, it, it's been I can honestly say it's it having us start training, especially together, it, it changed our marriage. It's literally changed our marriage. I mean, from the friendships that we've made there to the friendships she's made there, um, she goes four or five days a week. She's going to gi, no gi, judo. She's competed already um, and did very well. Like it, it's it's changed her as a person. I cannot speak highly enough about how much that has changed her training in jujitsu. It's just, it's, it's amazing. I, obviously I didn't take to it like she did. Um, I like to do it. I'm a little bit older my body's, you know, I, I tore my meniscus and for me, it's just, Hey, I just want to go there. I want to talk crap to people and have fun and laugh. And, um, you know, I talked to Pedro a few times after some classes and initially I wanted to be that aggressive guy. It's like, Hey, I, I want to be able to roll with Joel. I want to be able to roll and compete with those guys. And then it's like, these guys are half my age, man. I can't keep up with these kids without breaking something. You know what I mean? So Paige was like, Hey man, every gym needs somebody that helps out the new guys when they come in. And I'm, you know, you know me, I'm talking, I love to talk to people. I love to help people. So usually when the new guys come in, I'm the guy that gets to help the new guys. And, um, it's kind of nice that I've been training for a while. So I'm not now, I, now I'm starting to see things. It's like, Oh yeah, I remember, I remember this. I remember that. 
we we you and I were so close that Pedro would get mad at us for just talking. I mean, we <laughs> like we would just be drilling and then we just jump into yeah. the conversation and we we couldn't get out of it. I mean, seriously, Pedro, I, I can never say enough good things about that guy. I mean, he's just incredible. I I I really I I just miss being around those guys right before uh, Allie and I moved, I, I dislocated my shoulder. And so I wasn't around as much as I wanted to be. Yeah. Um, but man, I mean, just how great is having someone at the helm like Pedro for you? It, amazing, man. And and he is a true student of the game. I, I'll never forget the time that I asked him for some some tips on things. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll, do you have an iPhone? I'll send you, I'll forward you over some notes that I take. I said, oh, you got some notes? He shows me his phone pages and pages hundreds thousands of pages of notes you know you go in there and ask that guy hey what'd you do on sunday oh i went to the park and watched jujitsu videos studied jujitsu oh what'd you do last night i studied jujitsu i mean he's just he, he's a he's a student of the game he's, he's and, and i love that i i do too and i i love that about him i miss it i miss them i miss the whole school it's just it's just full of good people and so you're in good hands over there for sure Let's jump yeah. back into the broadcasting thing a little bit. I asked you about the hardest part. I asked you your favorite fight. I do have to ask you, what is your favorite overall thing about broadcasting? I just love being there, man. I love being there on fight night. Um, you know how I am. I, lo I, I love interacting with people. I love interacting with the fighters. Um, I just, I just, I just love it, man. It's just, that's like, we work so hard to get up, to get up to that point. Um, and once it happens, it's like, hey, this is this is showtime, man. This is this is our night to shine. You know what I mean? Um, obviously, there I don't feel like there's any pressure, so it's a little easier for me. I I know you and Jordan, you guys you guys put so much into it, and there's a lot of pressure behind the scenes with you guys. Um, and I just try to lighten up, lighten it up, man, and have some fun, and let's let's do this. And and I can't thank you enough for that because sometimes you're like, hey, man, we're just having fun here. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. You're right. And I'm like, oh, the instant replay and the graphics aren't sliding out quick enough and blah, 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 blah. And you're just like, hey, man, we're just having fun. And I'm like, you're right, Jason. You're absolutely right. Oh, and you're pretty easy to read when you're mad, too. I'm like, oh, he's pissed about something. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's so it's so funny because I always tell people like I may like I, I when I don't know if you remember when my mom and, and her oh, husband yeah. came oh, yeah. and everything. Yep. And Allie was there and, and my buddy yep. Dre and. <laughs> I, I told my mom before, I was like, you're going to be right behind us. I was like, I may look pissed. I may look upset. I may look like I want to, you know, punch someone in the face. I'm having the time of my life. And specifically when I'm standing there with you, as well as whoever else might be there as the third person in the booth, like I am, I am just amped for whatever is about to happen. And it's seriously, man, we're coming up on a year of calling these fights together. And it's just like, Crazy. it's just been the most fun thing. It's, it's. John Anik always says, you know, there are 13 UFC pay-per-views. There are 14 Super Bowls during the year. It's the day of the Super Bowl, and it's the 13 UFC pay-per-view events that happen throughout the year. I feel that way about Fierce. I'm like, there's the Super Bowl, and then there's every single Fierce event. And those are like the biggest days of the year. And so you always want to make sure you may, you do them right, but you also want to make sure that that you're being a good partner to the other people in the booth. And I think if there's anyone who's like the team player, of the year it's you jason i mean you've you've done an incredible job and i i, I just really appreciate you we don't talk well, enough about the ufc anymore man i miss talking I ufc with you no and so i, I just i mean you'll text me and i just i love when you text me because i'm like oh sweet i can get my my ufc bug out 
your thoughts on what was, in my opinion, one of the greatest UFC pay-per-views I've ever seen. That was amazing. And I missed a little bit of it because I was I worked a little bit late and I was driving home, but I had it up in my car. My my daughter, when I picked up my daughter, she's like, I knew you're gonna be watching the fights. And uh that was that was card was just stacked and it's funny. I think I sent you the video. My daughter took a Snapchat video. I, uh, Joel and a bunch of people from the gym were over and we were screaming 11 o'clock at night. My daughter, poor daughter, she's almost 13. She <laughs> voice records us screaming uh, about the fight and the Izzy fight when he knocked him out. And initially, I think I even text you at this. I said, that was the Hail Mary of all Hail Marys. And then when I rewatch it, that wasn't a Hail Mary. Like that was calculated. Like he, he legit knew what he was doing there. That was, that was planned. And that, I mean, I'm not the, I mean, I like Izzy. I, I love his fighting style. I'm not the, the biggest fan of his personality, but you cannot deny what that guy brings to the table with his fight IQ. That, that was just, that was amazing. My wife asked me a very interesting question. I'm going to pose it to you as well. She asked me okay. Leon's kick last August in Salt Lake city or Izzy's knockout of Alex Pereira. Um, nothing's going to top that Edwards um, Usman kick for me just because we were there live. That was just, it was my wife and I's anniversary. That was epic under a minute left. Uh, the Izzy thing was, it was, it was good. Right. But it what it was, it was a second round, right? Second round. Um, second round. He, he was taking a lot of damage in his legs and I, maybe he was playing possum a little bit, but I, the legs for sure were, were, were getting compromised with, with Izzy and, just the way Edwards set that kick up in that, you know, a minute left in the fifth round of a fight that he's losing. Like he's losing Man. three rounds to one. I mean, he's close in maybe another round, I thought, but he's losing three to one going into that fifth round. And then to get head kicked like that, oof. oof. Do you I think mean, against the guy that they were talking about was the GOAT? Like, they were talking about him as the greatest 170 of all time. Like Usman is was at the top of the game that and he and he pulled that off. Yeah, I, I think what's so crazy is like I remember Dana when he was in Salt Lake was like Kamaru Usman is the greatest welterweight of all time. And there were people saying, well, GSP, like, you know, mainly just GSP. It's like, well, I mean, yeah. GSP is widely known as the greatest of all time uh to many people and he was like nope Kamaru is the greatest of all time like for welterweights and so it was it was so interesting i gotta ask you about that izzy ko do you think that's the greatest celebration of all time oh that was epic man that how was, cool was I, that that bow and arrow was epic and then for him to do the same thing to his son which i call is a little petty but hey i mean yeah. you know yeah I, I i'm not one for for you know bringing kids into things like that. But uh, I, I do think that the bow and arrow specifically, not the dropping in front of the kid, but the bow and arrow yeah. was, uh, was something that I think is just, I mean, the photos, I mean, it's up there with Ali, like, like some of the greatest sports epic. photos I've ever seen. That epic. Yeah. Epic. I don't, yeah. I don't even know if we'll see something else like that again. That was, that was amazing. I want to pick your brain really quickly on, uh, Raul Rosas Jr. We kind of see him become human in that last fight during the Dana White yep. Contender Series in his debut. He looked pretty much unbeatable in a lot of ways. And he looked like, oh, there's a reason he's here. And still rightfully so. I mean, he's a very talented fighter. But your thoughts on just what he looked like on Saturday and what you think the road looks like for him uh, in the future? You know, he, I think he, 
he, I think the kid has a lot of potential, but I think they've proved once again that you come in the UFC at 18 years old and you're fighting grown men. And he, you know, he's fighting a guy that had already had, uh, what was it? Three fights in the UFC already. If I'm not mistaken, I believe you're right. Yeah. Uh, Christian Rodriguez. Yeah. I believe he'd already have three fights in the UFC. That's huge. It didn't matter how good he did, but to have that experience in there, I mean, you're throwing an 18 year old kid on the main card. You bump Chris Curtis off the main card for this kid. And I don't want to say he got exposed a little bit. I hate to say that. He, he's a kid. It was a, it was a it was a lesson for him. Um, I don't think he should take another UFC fight. I think they should put him in like the develop, developmental thing. I don't know if they can do that. Drop him back down to LFA. That's probably what they should have done because I felt like he got the Sage Northcutt treatment where they're just pushing this kid along, you know, and they're trying to promote him and. But man, it's just another, it just shows that it's another level when you get to the UFC and you fight guys that have already been fighting there. You're fighting the best of the best, man. Speaking about other levels, when we talk about the people that we get to call fights for, sometimes they're one, two fights away from the UFC when they make that walk for fierce. Who would you say is a fighter who is UFC material, who you believe could make it to that next level, uh, in, in your humble opinion, from what you've seen cage side? There's a few guys. There's a few guys right now that I think are are super close. Um, obviously, I'm going to say Joel, even though he just came off a loss, I think he learned a lot from it. Um, a couple guys that are going to be on the top, uh, Julian Ruiz, phenomenal performance. Um, Kent Mofaleo has just been on an absolute air. Um, another guy that's not even a pro yet that we're going to see fight for a title April 21st, Andrew Mickelson has everything. He is big. He's athletic. He's fast. He, uh, it's, he's another guy. Um, I'm probably leaving some guys out, but right off the top of my head, Julian and Kent are, are probably the two, two top guys right now that I see that are just like, Hey man, these guys are, these guys are pretty close to being ready. What would you say? is obviously there's Joel with his finish, the, the body shot. In recent memory, in fights that, that you and I have called together, what would you say is the most impressive moment or the most impressive win that you've seen in that cage? Carson Hardman, times two, because he did it two fights in a row. Um, his, first, his first fight for the 170 belt against Dunkel, he he talked about it on the podcast or at, at during the post fight interview. He was out. He literally was out, knocked out, and woke back up, grabbed a heel, and get got the heel hook, and ended up winning the belt. But a knocked out Cole comes back his next fight, and he's getting destroyed in the first round, like beaten the first, like it's bad. Ends up hurting, um, hurting him, and ends up finishing him in the second round. Like I, the guy is just amazing. Um, honorable mention to, um, uh, my boy, Jerome Hatch with his knockout. That was just, I mean, with the, with the bad blood, those two had, haven't already fought before. And I think his, his opponents miss, miss in my mind right now. Um, but that knockout, a Kent Mofaleo's knockout to win the belt was just epic as well. Those, those are ones that, that stand out the most to me right now. I think it's really interesting. Your role is so important to the broadcast but one of the big things is that you're the first person that interviews those fighters after that big moment happens 
What is that like? And and like other things in terms of your broadcasting abilities, it has grown and developed and you have gotten so good at it, man. Like so, so good at it. What is it like interviewing a fighter, being one of the first people to talk to someone after potentially their dreams coming true, something that they always hoped would happen? What's it like being in there with them? I just, man, I feel like I'm just in the moment, right? Like I, I want to initially, I didn't know what to say, man. You're just, I'm just rambling stuff off in the early beginnings, but now it's like, Hey man, I want to talk about the fight and, and what they did and, and how they set up that finish and, you know, what's next for them. It just, it's, it's so exciting to see, you know, you take like Hannah Silva winning the belt. It's probably one of my favorite and she's just smiling and dancing and just so happy. And to see them in, in that moment is just epic. Or you see a guy like David Kim in his last fight, he gets a big win and you could just see the, you know, you and I know behind the scenes how much pressure this kid was on, you know, coming into this fight. And he gets that win and you could just see it just come off of him. And, you know, um, it's I love it. I, I honestly and I didn't think I would like it. I was honestly scared as hell the first time I did it. But now it's it's I love it, man. It's like my favorite part. Where do you think that excitement or, or where do you, when do you think that change happened from, I'm kind of scared of this position to being like, oh, I really yeah. look forward to doing this. I think just getting more comfortable with doing it, um, getting a little bit more knowledgeable, paying it and, and obviously, and honestly working beside you and just seeing people don't realize they don't know, they hear you, but they don't see the work that you're putting in behind the scenes. They don't see the stacks of papers from full from top to bottom of notes that you've taken in the the weeks and hours and minutes that you've spent um, with all of your research to get up to there. And, and I think once I've, once I got to, to see how you work and how you operate and, you know, I, I'm just trying to, trying to stay close to that, man, and just try to bring it for the people. Cause I know you're bringing it. You know, I, I, I truly, it, it, it almost makes me, sometimes I get emotional about it, thinking about just the opportunity that you guys gave me, but also the the props that you gave uh, me. I, I mean, you and Zach, but I mean, I've worked a lot closer with you specifically cage side during calling fights and things like that. And I know Zach knows and appreciates everything that I do as well. You you did that from day one. and And I truly believe that that has helped me to kind of you know, get myself kind of a foot in the door. Because like you said, like when I started, like no one knew who I was. Like I was working at Park City Nobody. TV covering high school sports. And I just wanted to get into this space for so long. And if I didn't have your endorsement, if I didn't have Zach's endorsement, like I don't think I'm in the position where I'm at now where you do hand me the keys to the broadcasting side of things, to the social media side of things. And so I, I can't thank you enough for that. Um I, I, I'm just about finished up in terms of, in terms of, uh, questions. I, I think the last thing that I just kind of want to ask you about is, uh, this fierce fighting championship 25 card that when this airs, it will be fight week. It will be Wednesday, uh, the day before weigh-ins. And so I, I do got to ask you, are you pulling up the card right now? Yeah, I'm trying to pull up the card on here so I, so I know what I'm talking about because I don't remember right <laughs> off the top of my head. Give me two seconds here. Eh? I would love to just kind of go down, pick your brain about some of the names that fly off the page, some of the people you're looking forward to, and some of the stakes at hand. I mean, when you look at this card, obviously the top of the bill is huge, but there's four titles on the line, three of those being amateurs. What are you looking forward to headed into uh, this this upcoming week? I mean, for me, Viliami Akulu is... He was a name that I didn't mention on there, but he 
he is the top amateur in the state right now. I mean, if you are a light heavyweight, you do not want to see Kulu in that cage. And I think he proved on his last fight, he had, he fought with a little bit of anger in him where we hadn't seen that before, where before, usually he starts off a little slow. He's such a nice guy. The most the respectful guy you'll ever meet. Very respectful. But the last fight, Zach asked him after the fight, dude, what, you came out there just full force. And he's like, he was talking shit. He was talking crap to me at the weigh-ins. And, and he, he so the guy pissed him off at the weigh-ins. <laughs> and I'm like, man, do not make that guy mad. But, I mean, this this sets up for him. You know, he gets this light heavyweight belt. He's, he's going to be put in a position where – Man, does he defend that belt? Does he go pro? What you know? What's next for him? Um, you go down the line. You got Andrew Mickelson uh, facing uh, Roger. He's facing his his toughest test. Facing a five and five guy. Andrew Mickelson's another guy. You know, he wins this belt. What does he? You know, what does he do? Is he going to go pro? I mean, the guy's got all the tools. Um, those two, those two are, are are jumping out at me right away. Obviously, Hannah Silva. I loved watching her first fight. I think this is a phenomenal matchup in, in the strawweight division for the belt against Kelly McKay, who's four and zero. Same as Hannah Silva, somebody's almost is got to go. Uh, that's a very intriguing fight. This card is the best fierce card to date, top to bottom. I, I think so. I think I think between between this card and the January card, it's one of those two the best matchups I think we've ever seen top to bottom. And I think this one has so much sting on it because there are so many belts on the line. And, and, and on top of that, like Viliami Kulu, like he doesn't just have like a walk in the park fight for this belt. Like he's facing a seven and zero undefeated Shaler lad trained his entire life. The brother of yeah. Aspen lad, who is a former yep. UFC fighter. I mean, crazy matchup there. And like, he has been dominant along the way. And so all these different matchups are going to be very interesting. I, I I personally can't wait for it either. When it comes to maybe a fight that doesn't have a belt on the line, who are some of the some of the names that you're really looking forward to? For me personally, I cannot wait to see George, uh, Nate Reinhardt versus Dustin Larson. Talked to Dustin a little bit yesterday. Was very interested to hear some of the things about him. You'll have to listen to the broadcast uh, to hear more about him, his story, and things like that. But Nate Reinhardt has uh, we talked about him last time because he was supposed to be fighting on the card. Uh, a month ago, but ends up fighting on yeah. this card. Uh, I, I just, I can't wait for this kid. He's one of my favorite amateur fighters in the entire state. He, that should be a great, you know, he took a loss in his, in his first fight against uh, Pedro Alcantar, which was a phenomenal fight. Great back and forth fight. Probably one of the fights of the night on that uh, fierce challenger series, two card. Phenomenal, phenomenal fighter, a lot of potential. Uh, I, that one's an exciting one. Um, somebody, another fighter that I, I really love to watch fight is Malachi Novosel. Love watching that kid fight. He brings it. He's still, I mean, he's he's a kid. I don't even think he's 21 yet. He might have just turned 21, but he's he's a kid. He's still a baby. I believe he is 21. He's 21. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah, right. He is. Another big one that people might not realize is as great as it is, is the Tyler Call versus uh, Anthony Gillette fight. So Tyler Call, been around for a little bit of time, had a two-fight skid, won his last fight, uh, trains out of Agima, one of the four original members of the Agima fight team back in 2019 in the summer when that, when that gym opened up. His opponent, on the other hand, is a teammate of Melody Schrock's. Now, Melody Schrock, obviously, back-to-back -back submission wins, very highly touted in the women's division, the amateur levels, the pound-for-pound -pound ranking. She is rising up those ranks rapidly. When you look at who... 
Tony Gillette is, I mean, he's an absolute stud. 20, 21 submissions of his 28 jujitsu competitions, 1-0, and a 94-second fight uh, against a tough opponent just a couple of months ago back in December. I mean, that's another great fight that I am really, really looking forward to. Yeah, that one's going to be a banger as well. I, yeah, just, like I said, that that's if I don't know if the the card is is going to be mapped out how it is on Tapology, but that's that's what we're going to start our night off with is is from what Tapology saying. So so we are starting with Nate um, versus oh, are we Dustin, with Nate I believe. One? Okay, nice. Yeah, nice. And it also says for the middleweight championship that fight's not for a championship belt. I don't know why okay. that says that on Tapology, but the, for the Tyler Call fight. Oh, for the Tyler Call fight. Okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, man, there's this, it's, the card is just, that. I mean, another guy that's coming on, uh, Andrew Mickle, or I'm sorry, uh, Andrew Boquette is another guy, Yeah, another heavyweight. And did you drop this podcast yet? Did you talk? His, you his him, right? podcast comes out tomorrow from when we're recording this, but it will be out by the time this, this comes out. And I remember you, you told me some things that he said, and I remember him being on with Zach and I, and, and he is not short of words at all. <laughs> No. He was pretty. He was pretty much calling everybody out, calling everybody out in the heavyweight division after his last fight. That that he's a he's a force to be reckoned with, and I I think he's going to be a a force to be reckoned with. So I just posted a story on our Instagram saying who's the fighter you're looking forward to the most. I'd say 85 percent of the responses that we got out of like 25, 30 were all Boquette, Boquette, Boquette. Oh yeah, people are really looking forward to him, and he's told me that what we saw a couple months ago is not his actual game. That we have like that like we're just scratching the surface of what he can actually do. I cannot wait for that. But I'll also peel back the curtain because the podcast will have aired by this time. But he kind of yeah. told me that when it comes to when it comes to fighting like the, like he told me that the last fight he was just full of gratitude in that post fight interview i remember we yeah. were both kind of like i thought he was going to you know talk a little bit more smack he told me that's going to be the case this next time around that he kind of got caught off guard by the emotions that he felt but he said that's <clears throat> out of the way that's done and so i think you've got yourself an important post fight interview if andrew boquet is able to get it done we'll have to see he's got a tough opponent but if Andrew Boquette is to get it done, I think he's got a very specific call out and I can't wait for it. You know, there's another guy on the card that um, I always love to watch is uh, Trevor Bradshaw in our co-main event. Um, obviously, his last fight, we were we were very happy with that tail knockout in the first round against our boy Andre Hafer. Shout out Trevor Bradshaw. But uh, Trevor's been getting some work in up at Koa Kingdom with Bobby King, Joe Haro. Um, I know Thomas Hughes is up there too with Joel. So he's been getting some work up there and he's, he's, he's a guy that he doesn't have the sexy record. He's six and seven. And you look at it and you're like, Oh, this guy's not any good, but he's been getting better lately. He, yeah. he has been, he has been improving every fight. I mean, his last loss was to Mitch Ramirez who should be on the ultimate fighter. Um, I'm sorry. He lost against, uh, uh, Connie, uh, before the, uh, right after that. So Connie was his last loss, but, Tony Carrera and Mitch Ramirez his last two fights, and then he's looked great his last two. He's, he's won his last two fights and looked phenomenal. So I believe a third win would be like the longest win streak of his career since like very early on. I can't remember. It's on my board. It's ready to go. Um, oh. But I was doing his board a couple of weeks ago. When was the last time he had a three-fight win streak? Has he ever had one? Got to go back to his amateur career for that. He started uh, five and zero in his amateur, six and zero in his amateur career, That's and then right. he lost his first lost his first three. Um, pro fights and then he got a win a loss and then he just kind of um bounced back kind of back and forth between those 
you know, but back in those days when he was fighting like the Joe Mamas, he was kind of known as a brawler, right? Like he he just would go in there and he'd brawl. He's just throwing, you know, he was just throwing, right? But I th- not think I after that Dominico Salas fight where he just had that war with with Dominico, um, I think you started to see him kind of switch a little bit. He started he started to kind of put things together. Um, he wasn't just just that reckless brawler. Like he was actually showing that hey, I got some skills. And I'm a fighter to be reckoned with here in Utah. And he's, he's, he's proven that recently. This is why we have you, Jason, because you are able to just pull fights out from, from every which way <laughs> and say, this happened here and this happened here. And uh, a, a quick stat on Trevor Bradshaw, before we jump over to the main event talk, Trevor Bradshaw, three strikes landed one unofficial significant strike. And it was the one that put his opponent to sleep. It only takes one from the guy. His hands are packed of steel. I mean, he is a one shot knockout artist when he is on and uh, we'll hopefully have to see how he looks. He's facing a tough guy in Brian Nuro. Yeah, I don't know if you saw that yeah, stat that we posted. He won. Oh, yeah. He, I, I think he went like 17 and one in his first seven years or something like that. It's some insane number of fights that he won in a war in a row between his professional career as well as a, his amateur career. And he's been in Bellator. I mean, he's been around. So Trevor Bradshaw's got a tough one up against him this week. Yeah, he's he's gonna he's definitely gonna have his hands hands full. The guy was uh, undefeated amateur, started his pro career four and zero. Like you said, Bellator. The guy is he's legit. Trevor's gonna have his hands full. I can't wait for it, man. I do want to talk a little bit about the light heavyweight title that's on the line as well. Eric Wallin versus Jerome Hatch. Jerome coming off of a huge win on top of a win uh, for the BYB. Uh, championship belt as well. And so he gets a title fight against someone in Eric Wallin who they have fought in the past as well. Yeah, they have fought in the past as well. Eric Wallin, if I'm not mistaken, uh, got the knockout pretty early on in that in that fight. And but this was, I mean, this is years ago that those two fight, those two go go way back into Utah MMA fight scene. Um and Jerome has kind of had he's kind of had a little resurgence lately, right? Like he's he's gotten some wins. He's gone over to bare knuckle. I've gotten some. I think he's undefeated in bare knuckle, if I'm not mistaken. He oh, is four and zero. Is he four and zero in bare knuckle now? Three or four. I can't remember. Three or four and zero. Um, and he's he's the champ. He went over to Abu Dhabi and knocked this guy out. I'm not gonna lie. I didn't tell him this, but I was scared, man. I looked at that guy's record. He was fighting. Um, that Marco Martin, that guy. He had like 20 fights, and they're all bare knuckle. So I'm thinking, oh man, he's fighting this guy. That's all he does. But then I started thinking. Jerome's been fighting his whole life, man. Bare knuckle. Like he, he should be good. And he and he was, man. He and I can't say enough good things about Jerome. I know there's there's people out there that have, you know, heard him on the podcast with with Chris Curtis when we had him on here and and they didn't like the way that he talks and they they, they thought he was disrespectful. But there is not a more respectful guy, family guy, God-loving guy out there than Jerome Hatch. Like that guy is just he is an absolute stud. I highly recommend or or Go out and introduce yourself to Jerome Hatch. He is he is an absolute stud. I uh, I do want to say Eric Wallin, Jerome Hatch, probably the two busiest boards I have ever had. The font size is down to like eight or nine to try to fit every single stat between these two. I mean, there is so much on the line between these two. Um, just just I mean, they both have such long histories of combat sports that. It's there. There's a lot to go over and there's a lot of stats. So if it does go later on into the rounds, you'll have fresh stats from us in the broadcast booth the entire time. (laughs) But uh, Jason, I cannot wait for this fight. I cannot wait for this entire card. It is absolutely stacked. And uh, we've been talking, I think the longest I've ever talked with anyone on uh, this 
new style of damage plan MMA podcast. I really appreciate the time, man. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, Blake. You're a freaking stud. We need to get this over to John Anik, man. We need to get you some recognition. Oh, I appreciate it. It's going to happen, man. I'm going to keep tagging John Anik until he pays attention. Dude, one of these days, one of these days, John Anik. One of these days, he's going to hear it. One of these days, he's going to hear it and be like, oh, this kid is good. (laughs) I was going to say he's going to hear and go, oh, this guy sucks. (laughs) But (laughs) that's uh, when you're calling those UFC fights, just remember me. Oh, put me on that that friends and family list. I can watch the fights. (laughs) I I can never thank you for everything that you do for me, man. You, Zach, everyone at Fierce. So I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time.